welcome to this week's episode of Where the Story Stops. This week, Ryan and I continue our conversation speaking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. We get into more character introductions, we talk about plot MacGuffins, and Ryan gets a nosebleed. All that and more this week on Where the Story Stops. Especially okay. since, like, we, we got a lot more movie to get we're, through. Yeah, here. we're not we're not going to go through every single scene in the movie, but I do want to get through the introductions because I think they're very well done overall, um, and uh, they're worth talking about in the movie Justice League, where a lot of these guys are being introduced to many fans for the first time. Um, so, I, I don't know if it's immediately after, but soon after, Bruce goes to meet aquaman otherwise known as arthur curry um the first of aquaman's three introductory scenes yes true but (laughs) first one for the audience (laughs) and therefore the (laughs) true one um he goes to like some seaside village in uh the north of europe i'm not sure specifically where i want to say norway but that's kind of a guess um and aquaman's there he's like defending the town and protecting the fishermen one guy was drowning in a storm and he brings him back throws him on a bar table takes a bottle of scotch and says it's on him and then he walks out back into the surf and it's dope um <laughs> bruce bruce shows up he finds aquaman and basically says we want you to join a team and uh aquaman says bruh i go solo <laughs> And then he wades into the water and we have singing from people that <laughs> live in the town. And it's great. And no. I love it. I love it. It's <laughs> dumb. This is one of those things that we were talking about that's like pretentious, but it's amazing. No. <laughs> they don't hide from the pretension. They embrace it and it makes it better in my opinion. Like it's just, and this is another thing that you could easily cut from the movie in this hour that you want to trim off, but don't leave it in i appreciate it it's great it's just like all right they're saying it's cool that's that's fucking it's great dumb. don't you just love it no i mean how can you no, how can you not listen to that beautiful song and then be like man that was different and cool like that's not something a movie would normally do but it felt cool like yeah yeah i liked it you know um it was artsy oh wait okay j- j- just just a note i think that technically like when he saves the fisherman mm-hmm. is a different scene from when bruce wayne comes to visit him that's fine they're okay. all yeah. i mean j- j- just just what i'm saying like they they have a character introduction for aquaman thrice um sure. they they do it three times if we're cutting if we only have to cut if we can only cut one hour from this movie um if, if that is the minimum uh, then I would cut two of those scenes out. You don't need to introduce a character to us three times. You can definitely tell us more about is that the, character the third over the course one, of other scenes. Is the third one the one underwater? Is that the third one you're talking no, about? No, I, I, there, there's there's a scene where he's just like kind of out in the water. Um, like I, um, I don't remember the specifics of the scene you're referring to. That's okay. Um, I nothing about his introduction scenes was bad. They may they may have been gratuitous, you know, but damn, I enjoyed watching them. Also, Jason Momoa is fantastic casting. I know that's not unique to this film, but I mean, Aquaman, the bl- blonde-haired, green-eyed, you know, stooge of the sea is lame. Jason Momoa tatted up in all this stuff is like, that feels right. That feels like if you're going to make a King of the Sea, that's good casting. That's the guy that feels appropriate and not like he's from, you know, Nebraska. I mean, Namor the Submariner is better character anyways, but that's just, that's besides the point. Um, Completely besides the point. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of wish they had, this is like not necessarily a qualm with like Jason Lamar or the cast or anything like that, but like, you know, I kind of wish they'd gone with just like 
the the goofy like uh yellow and green kind of um costume it wouldn't have fit with the tone of the movie i thought i think it would be fun He's well, like you know what fuck it let's in let's just... in a podcast of bad takes <laughs> there's one of them uh <laughs> <laughs> where 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 the bad takes begin there we go there we go <laughs> um um so that happens we and again i'm not necessarily going chronologically in the movie i'm just kind of going through the introductions right now um we get to see barry allen barry allen um is not awful in the movie um barry barry allen suffers from a thing that he will always suffer from uh he's broken in terms of power um he's too powerful and as a result you kind of have to one of the ways to balance a speedster is to make him kind of goofy not necessarily dumb but a little goofy and in his introductory scene we see that he he shows up late to an interview yes the world's fastest man shows up late to an interview um dressed inappropriately for the for a job interview holding a crumpled uh and stained resume and he saves a girl from a car crash in slow motion uh after uh you know melting his shoes off because he's moving so fast again a cool thing but i i liked his introduction enough um i just always feel a little weird about the way that i like i understand why they have to do this with barry allen as a character but it is a little frustrating because it doesn't he shouldn't be um so like i don't know goofy so yeah he's just really goofy yeah i mean that that was my big that's my biggest problem with just the flash in general this movie it it feels like they laid it on way too heavy with like the amount of comic relief that he has yeah um, but and, I, I do think that's just for a power balance thing well and I mean, like, the thing is, I feel like, and I understand this is different because it's a solo property, mm-hmm. but I feel like they do that better in, um, and this will come back to by the me CW the Flash. Day. Yeah, the CW, the CW Flash, at the very least, like, the the first, like, few seasons the- that I watched where, like, and, like, it's different because, like, you, you're, it's a different, like, power scale because, like, the Flash is the main character mm-hmm. and he's not being weighed against other heroes in the way that, like, he would be in a Justice League kind of setting. But also, like, I feel like just in terms of his character, like, in, in Justice League, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen is just, like, a, a joke pretty much, you know, every line or, like, that it's, like, you know, it's like he has to be funny with every single thing that he says in that first scene at least like there are other humanizing moments in the movie for him yeah um but like in this first scene it just seems like it was laid on so heavily and i don't think that in order to kind of nerf him i guess or bring him like down in terms of ability and power they needed to go as far as they did Mm -hmm. Um, there well i don't want to harp on barry allen too much because i know we will get back to him when we get to the end of the movie Um, much like barry allen gets back to the past but we'll discuss that later yeah um next introduction uh we should talk about is cyborg um victor stone um cyborg is cool his introduction is basically non-existent until much later in the film uh he's wearing a hoodie he's very moody um and that's pretty much his introduction and then we also see that he has a mother box in his closet uh that will be important to the plot Mm -hmm. um should we should we go ahead and talk about like his actual introduction yeah yeah okay yeah um there's like the football scene is so slow it is one of the many moments in the movie where slow motion is just used so excessively and it does not need to be like I, in a movie that is already four hours long, making me watch uh, like minutes of slow motion college football being played. It was high school, high school, my apologies. Um, high school football being played um, is 
unnecessary. You don't need that to heal. You don't need to make it so. We we don't need to spend so much time on this to humanize Cyborg. Like we can absolutely me, humanize Cyborg in other ways. Let me just ask you a question real quick. Go for it. Do you hate fun? Yes, I think that if this podcast has established anything, it is that I hate fun. I just um, want to get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that is part of his introduction later when he's, uh, I believe, meeting Diana for the first time. Um, we we learn basically he was um, in a car wreck, killed his mother, um, and left him on death's door. Um, he had a father who was too busy with work to be there. It plays into their relationship that he would never had time for Victor. Um, eventually his father uses the power of the mother box to make Victor into cyborg. Um, and then we have the guy. Um, and when he, when the movie begins, basically he's still dealing with, you know, what his life is now, how he's essentially dead to the world um but he has this great power and what are you supposed to do with that and all this sort of internal stuff which could in its own right easily be its own movie uh in the course of this movie i think they gave it its appropriate due um and he had a nice mini character arc within Mm -hmm. the greater film in my opinion yeah no i mean the the, his, his like the stuff with his dad is like nice like that is a nice humanizing part of the movie but like i think that this is kind of getting to one of my overarching problems with the film is that there is so much exposition like there is an exorbitant amount of exposition here um and like introducing characters introducing lore and plot points as far as the mother boxes and steppenwolf and Darkseid go um you know the members of the justice league um all of that there is so much time in this movie so much time in this movie dedicated to either like telling us things or showing us things so that we can actually get on with the plot and i like that 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 was just so like uninteresting to me and i don't think that there's necessarily a way around it or a way to fix it with the kind of movie that this is there is a way and it's Marvel. It's, I mean, yeah, no, I was going to say it into a bunch of other movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Movies. The, the solution is make more movies. Yes. Like the solution is not have your team up movie where like four of the heroes have not shown up before. And the MacGuffins are just being introduced now. And you're like three villains are just being introduced now. Um, and like, I don't think that there is really a way that like you can make a good solitary movie that is this movie and also doesn't have that much exposition. And that is absolutely something that I will hold against this movie, this particular movie is that man, like it, the, the plot, the actual plot of the movie of Steppenwolf chasing the mother boxes in the justice league playing defense goes so slowly because of all of this exposition. I, I suppose that's fair. Um, and I also suppose that that doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie um, because that exposition was engaging enough for me that it didn't feel slow when I was watching it. I think if you if I did take a you know bird's eye view, I would see that. Um, but when I'm watching the movie, I'm not doing that. you know when I'm when I'm actually sitting down and watching the film for the first time, I'm like, I'm appreciating the lore that's coming forward, the world building stuff that helps me understand who these people are and care about them. Um, I don't need, I don't care about cyborg when he's first introduced. I do care about him after the exposition. Um, and that is an important thing. And yes, he could have had his own movie. And if he did, we could have got this stuff in advance, but also if he did, I probably wouldn't have seen that movie because like I said, most things that DC has made in this universe <laughs> have not been good. <laughs> yeah. um, this movie, I think, is. Um, and so, I, I guess that is where the the line is drawn between yeah. Colin and I, is that like when so much of this movie is dedicated to exposition, if you find the exposition that they are giving entertaining and good and convincing then you will probably like the movie. If you find it boring and uninteresting and bullshit, 
then you probably won't like the movie. Um, and like at the end of the day, like uh, that, like it could boil down, like it, it, it probably boils down to preference. Um, like whether or not that is something that you can and will engage with or whether or not that's something where you're going to hit a brick wall. Um, but anyways, it's getting, getting on to the movie because I don't think we're even halfway. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to start moving a little quicker. I mean, yeah. I'm glad we got the introductions out of the way. Cause that's a big thing. Um, <laughs> but just there are actually, there are two more character introductions I want to talk about. <laughs> I'm sorry. These ones are, one of them's big. One of them is very minor. Um, Superman is technically introduced in this film. He is brought back to life, uh, it's a major plot point. The um, the team realizes that they need Superman on their side in order to do it, and they use a mother box in order to bring him back to life. They realize that the thing could be used this way, and they do it. The methods of which we don't really need to go into unless you want to, but they do it. And man comes back to life, and that's great. He's back, and he's shirtless. Don't know why he was wearing a shirt when they were reviving him and his <laughs> pants are still there when he's revived. So it's not like the revival process destroyed all his clothes, just his shirt. And he but, definitely does not have a mustache. Hey, they redid the CGI on that and you cannot tell anymore. I don't know if they redid the CGI or they reshot, but they, that is not nearly as obvious. I could tell. I think you're lying to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's all beside the point. It's all beside the point. <laughs> um, he comes in. He doesn't know who he is, and he realizes that the Justice League are a threat. So he goes into attack mode, and they have a mini battle with Superman, who doesn't know who he is, and Lois Lane has to come in to save him. Basically, he sees Lois, realizes that he knows this person, cares for this person, and then calms down and flies away with her in his arms all doing this while shirtless, the fan service out of the park. Um, so that's a character introduction. I don't know if there's anything in that scene you specifically want to talk about. Um, um, not, not really. I mean, like, I, don't, I didn't have any particular issues with that scene. What about praise? Like, Did you have any praise? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, see, seeing, you know, Superman fight the Justice League is pretty cool. I mean, like, sure, the, the whole, like... Um, uh, good guy comes back. Good guy is confused and fights the other good guys until he sees um, well, Amy. Well, Adams. one thing about this scene that a lot of people have talked about is um, the Flash being uh, caught off guard by Superman, being able to keep up with him. Um, which I thought the movie did very well. To be clear, um, like they conveyed his surprise well and they showed that this is like superman is truly in a league of his own yeah um, a league a justice league of his own um but uh i will i will say like that is something that i noticed that is something that i also liked i don't think like flash's powers are done well in this movie um i like i like the parts where flash run fast um and you do that you do you do run real fast um you do be running fast uh and yeah i don't i don't have any problems with that scene there was another character introduction that you said you wanted to get to yes um my favorite character introduction is martian manhunter martian manhunter is a surprise in this movie i didn't know he was coming but you know the um character martha kent aka superman's mother comes to visit lois lane when superman is still dead um and she basically says lois you gotta get back out in the world it's been almost two years you gotta you this isn't what kent would want you know this isn't this isn't i said kent i should have said clark because she wouldn't refer to her son by her last name (laughs) (laughs) because that's also her last name yes but regardless um she comes and does this. And then when she steps out into the hall, shape shifts back into Martian Manhunter, which for anybody who, you know, like me appreciates that character from years of watching justice league as a kid. Um, 
like that was really cool i didn't know he was in this movie and it was just an awesome scene where it was like dude dude's here i'm actually excited for a future enterprise that this <laughs> thing might do um like all my nostalgia kicked into the justice league animated series um once he showed up like the only way it could be taken to the next level is if Hawkgirl showed up at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mar- Martian Manhunter was cool. Martian Manhunter is just cool anyways. Um, yeah. like, he doesn't really play into the plot, except no. to set up a future movie, potentially. Um, what I will say, as long as we're talking about characters, uh, the last note on this, I suppose, my favorite character in the entire movie, Alfred. Alfred is great in this movie. Uh, yeah. Like, Jeremy Irons knocks it out of the park. Um, like, you- I... Go for it. Do you have a problem with the age? No. My, I mean, I, I can we see. Have an old, we have an older Batman here. He's, they established that he's been working in Gotham as Batman for 20 years. Mm. Alfred, as we all know, has been, you know, Bruce Wayne's butler since he was a child, mm-hmm. which means we're looking at a Batman that's probably about 50 years old-ish, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. a little younger, but about 50 at least. I mean, I mean that that's where I'd ballpark it, which means this Alfred should be at least seventy-five, right? At least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just looked it up. Jeremy Irons is seventy-two. Is he? Yeah, man, he looks good for his age, man. He, he does not, look good. Then maybe I shouldn't even be complaining. He looks a lot better for his age than I would have expected. Um, and Ben Affleck's forty-eight. So, like, I mean, wow. there, there's like a. 20-ish, a little more than 20-year difference there. 25, 24. Um, okay. okay. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can see where, like, the, especially with, like, looking back to the Nolan ones, mm-hmm. um, people might have some issue with it, but, like, I thought... I thought not necessarily was an issue. I just thought Jeremy Irons was younger. Honestly, I didn't realize he was 72. A- every every time Alfred was on screen, I was like, yeah, yeah, you you keep talking, Alfred. You do that. You're you're so great. You're so funny. Um, and I I was I had a ball whenever he was on the screen. Yeah, um, and I did like looked, the characterization it, of him. And it looked like Jeremy Irons was having a ball too. He did great. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah they made they made Al- their take on Alfred was different than the previous take from Nolan. Um, whereas his Alfred was much more serious. This one was more poking fun in a helpful way to Batman, which is more in line with kind of the classic Alfred that we all came to know and love, whether through animation or the comics mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, this one was more in line with that. Not that the other one was bad. This one I just also appreciated. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay. I'm going to say that's it for now. On character introductions. Do you have some plot to talk about? I suppose there is a plot in this movie. Um, uh, well, believe it or not. Well, I'm, I'm just going through chronologically again in my head. And this isn't necessarily a plot point, but it is actually one issue that I had with this movie. Um, product placement was strong, but Mercedes got their money's worth. Mercedes <laughs> really got did. their fucking money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> they milked that for all they could. They spent so much time. Like, they spent at least five seconds just looking at the dashboard of the car they drove from point A to point B. It wasn't the Batmobile. It wasn't anything. Like, it was just a car they drove. There was one streetlight working on the street. The car was parked directly beneath it. (laughs) We got three different shots from three different angles. And we got close-ups on the dashboard. So... While I wouldn't cut very much of this film because I do enjoy the time it takes, damn, they got their money's worth. <laughs> they really did. Jesus Christ. And similarly, uh, I feel like Gillette, in a much smaller way, got their got their product placement in pretty strong. Oh, yeah. No, they really dragged out that shaving scene. You, you made it sound, uh, to be clear, Ryan watched this movie first and gave me some of his takes before I watch it. Um, you made it sound a lot longer than it was. It was really only two or three seconds, but it was oh, focused it was... directly on the on the razor. Um, it was at least like ten seconds. It was not. Um, like I paid a lot of attention to that scene because you said it. Uh, go and watch the movie yourself at Ryan McKibben ninety seven. Um, <laughs> wow, Ryan, you're so right about how long the shaving scene was and about Justice League in general. Um, <laughs> but um, 
to be clear, I'm not on Twitter. Don't look for me. Who, <laughs> if you see anybody with my name on Twitter, that's not me. Don't harass them. Uh, <laughs> at Ryan McKibben 97. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that. Do I have an underscore in my Twitter handle? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think um, so. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like, uh, so, so the plot, the plot of the movie. Yes. Um, we're finally getting to it. Um, uh, I guess. Our, our, mother well, boxes. Right. We, yeah. We already addressed the first mother box scene, right? Yes. Steppenwolf finds it. Steppenwolf goes to find the second mother box. That this scene's pretty lame. This scene's <laughs> pretty lame. There's a brief bit that's a little cool where uh, Amber Heard's character um, is fighting Steppenwolf and gets in gets some sort of I, I I didn't watch Aquaman, but she got some sort of like attack that seemed to be drawing blood out of Steppenwolf's face somehow. <laughs> I don't know. The visuals are cool. cool. The visuals are cool, but overall, like it felt like there was no way anybody at Atlantis, and by anybody I mean like the three people we saw in Atlantis, were just gonna stop him. Like it just seemed like they were totally out of their depth, no pun intended. Hey. Um, compared to the Amazons putting up a great fight, the next thing that we see Steppenwolf doing really is that. And it's just like, it was kind of lame. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fair point where it's like, oh yeah, we have like all of the armies of the Amazons here to defend um, the, the mother box. And then it is like, it's like three people <laughs> yeah it's like two guards and amber heard uh, and i know amber heard can hit pretty hard but i don't think she's got a chance against steppenwolf yeah um, uh will defoe's in atlantis too yes out. he is um bad casting um you and me um yeah so like that that happens it's kind of lame like colin said the Thir- uh, eventually you know our heroes unite oh when we're talking about mother boxes and plot we should actually talk about the the history of the mother box on earth because it's a major plot point right um after the battle we see in the opening scenes um each one of the groups the humans the amazonians and the atlanteans all take a mother box basically to defend um knowing that this threat may come again and we need to keep these things separate as much as we can because if they're united then the planet will be destroyed so we see the Atlanteans. They take it to this citadel that they're going to defend for thousands of years. We see the Atlanteans. They, they're at the bottom of the ocean. They've got guards around it 24-7. <laughs> we see the humans. Like three feet of dirt in the middle of the woods. That's what the humans do. We, we see some like Game of Thrones looking fuckers <laughs> digging a ditch like maybe three feet down, place the box in it, cover it with some soil, wipe their hands and that's, that's it, it. We, and we, what we did say, a good job here today <laughs> in some ways it was better it was a better defense if they had just done it deeper so that it never got found by anybody else it would have been pretty hard i think for anybody to actually find it or but instead they only did it like maybe two or three feet deep yeah <laughs> <laughs> like some kid with a metal detector could find that shit that's um, true oh man that was that was funny <laughs> it's always the humans doing some stupid shit (laughs) so fucking dumb um anyway that's not where steppenwolf finds it because humans found it long before that yeah um steppenwolf finds it in star labs um yeah being looked at by cyborg's dad um and uh in the process of steppenwolf getting this final uh mother box uh cyborg's dad dies um Star well to be clear, Cyborg's dad sacrifices his himself in order to basically put a GPS signature on the mother box. One thing that was important that was plot reasons why they was they couldn't track the mother boxes in any way. They they once Stefan Wolf got them, he moved them somewhere and they didn't know where. Um, so what his father did uh, through plot reasons that are explained is he basically killed himself in a way that the mother box took on an intense amount of heat in its core. Um, so much so that it could be picked up on thermal scans from satellites. Uh, that was the plot reason why. 
Um, it's not necessarily a strong plot reason why. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was. It basically was a sacrifice that helped Cyborg's arc move forward. I mean, at this point, there were, like, so many discussions about, like, mother boxes and, like, weird alien science and stuff like that that mm-hmm. I was just kind of numb to it at this point, and I was mm-hmm. like, sure, that makes sense, whatever. Um. Okay, we, we can get back to plot in a second, but... I, I want to talk about some writing in the movie. We have some writing issues that come up um, at the points of the plot I'm thinking of that I actually think we should get out ahead of. Um, first off, in the scene where they are um, getting ready to revive Superman, Cyborg interfaces with the superman spaceship from man of steel he interfaces with it and immediately says i'm in (laughs) then he goes on to explain what he's able to do now that he's linked up to the ship and the most jock (laughs) character aquaman says in english which is just so cliche. <laughs> they, they they hit both of like the hacker guy cliches and within like five minutes of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Very strong. I made it in English, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good, great, brilliant writing. Good job, a genius. Yeah. So that that is a point against the movie. I will say that. Um, another another writing point um, that I want to talk about is Batman. Batman at one point says to Barry Allen, I need you to run faster than you ever have. And I'm like, that's not good writing. That's not, <laughs> that, that's not good. Bruh, he, he's the fastest, like, who's to say he hasn't run the fastest possible? You don't know. You haven't discussed, like, anything <laughs> about him limiting himself. You pretty much just met this guy. Yeah. And, I mean, he's he's running so fast, he's generating, like, enormous amounts of electricity and stuff. And you're like, I need you to go faster. What? What are you talking about? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know my story. I mean, like, I, I would say that, like, writing is a particularly... It was writing lazy. Writing is a particularly strong suit in this movie in general, but, like, I... Like, also, this part in particular, yeah, that's... that's yeah. Um, last... This is tying in plot to writing this is um when they are getting ready for the final battle um real quick i got so heated that i am now having a nosebleed but please continue this That's is an actual thing <laughs> <laughs> um tying in uh more writing to plot um this is one of the few actual plot issues i have with this film when they're getting ready for the final battle they travel to where Steppenwolf is set up somewhere in Russia or Ukraine or something. Um, and Batman drops off the team on a mountain, like on a hillside near where Steppenwolf has set up his base. And he flies in on the Batwing on his own for no apparent reason as to why he had to do it on his own. Like, why couldn't the team ride in with him, drop into the middle of the battle instead of being, you know, two miles away? Why did they have to be two miles away, Ryan? I don't know. (laughs) They just, like, we want to give Batman some time to get in a fight because he's underpowered compared to everybody else, and he needs a moment to shine. That's what it felt like. Yes, (laughs) that is is why they did that. Um, (laughs) It just feels like they could have explained it a little better. I mean, yeah, I feel like, honestly, like, for the most part, the um, the the final battle does a good job of like giving everybody something to do. Yeah. Um, that part felt a little bit too much. Like they were <laughs> bending over backwards to be like, "Hey, Batman, uh, you're you're a little you're you're kind of soft. Um, let's let's give you a, let's make you feel special, buddy." Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we're in the final battle scene, right? And the mother boxes have begun to fuse together into what they call the unity. When the unity is complete, basically the earth will be scorched and humanity will end is the the concept. 
right? It's the end game. Um, sorry, <laughs> wrong property. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, um, they get there and they're trying to stop it from completing and they don't do it quite in time. Uh, they almost have time. Um, Cyborg is jacked in to the boxes trying to separate them, but he needs a power boost. He needs he needs a big surge of power in order to be able to finish the job. And the way they're going to do this is by Barry Allen running the fastest he ever has <laughs> um, to charge up. Faster it, than he ever has before. Yes, faster than he ever has before uh, in order to get this electrical charge off and help Cyborg separate the boxes. And then Barry Allen running as fast as he ever has before is shot is shot you know i like a lot of this movie <laughs> and then barry allen was shot <laughs> i mean i and, and then and then to follow up the shooting he went so fast he went back in time to when he wasn't shot. That was the what? Like no, I, 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 I thought it was <sighs> I thought it was he just went back in time to before they failed and he had still been shot, but like it just healed by the time that he got back there. I mean, maybe. I don't know how that works. Well no, because like he's he's got like a I'm pretty sure he has a healing factor. Um, Does he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he was saying like heal faster. Uh, he heals. Okay. Well, maybe maybe he does. Regardless, though, he does run so fast he runs back in time, um, which I think they do because that's something that happens in the canon that is the Flash. But it's a stupid power. It's I stupid. You can't oh run so fast you go back in time. Um, you're and, gonna be you're gonna be real disappointed um, that finally when you have something that's a, that you have like a problem with in the movie, it's something that I actually like. Well, that's odd. <laughs> that's I mean, odd. I, I thought it was an inventive way to resolve the final battle. I'm really up to get get sorted. Yeah, I'm let's so let's take a now. pause. take a brief break of about 30 minutes due to um, my co-host's nose bleeding profusely due to to my anger. My ire. The the vitriol that bubbled up in me uh, when talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. And for all of you listening along at home, um, I, I do currently have a tampon stuck in my nostril um, as a last resort um, because the bleeding would not stop. So uh, now we're ready to get back to it. We're ready to get back to it and discuss <laughs> the, in a perfect state to discuss the conclusion of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And time travel is, I believe, yes, where we, we left off. To. We were getting um, to time travel. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, I, I guess I liked it more from a conceptual standpoint than anything else, because, like, I mean, in a genre and also in like smaller sense in a franchise where you know the resolution is like beat up all of the CGI minions and the CGI bad guy until they are dead. Um, that is kind of the norm, I guess. That was my biggest problem with original Wonder Woman, uh, where like in a movie that didn't do that very much, the final fight was like Wonder Woman fights big CGI dude and big CGI blowout. Um, and like also just like in terms of the actual like plot-wise resolution of these movies, it's usually just beat all of the bad guys until they're dead. Um, and in this movie, the resolution was actually kind of something different, something kind of creative and where like, you know, 
uh, the flash is like, all right, I got to go back in time to present a new outcome. And maybe that is a pretty low standard to be impressed by, but like. But my problem is less with that. Like I, I see where you're coming from. It's solving a problem in a way that these movies don't typically do that, but it's super overpowered. And there's no reason why anybody should ever die of crime in the future of the earth ever again because apparently the flash is so broken <laughs> go back in time whenever he wants i mean i i think that's like and and i i i, I guess we we might not want to get too sidetracked talking about the logistics the the, the flash episode will be another a whole we'll dedicate an entire episode to the logistics of the speed force um <laughs> i I, th- I feel like they did it because they were trying and i could be wrong with this but i feel like they wrote that in because they were trying to show all of these heroes and what they're capable of and that is a thing that barry allen is known for as a character that he can do or has done but the fact is there's like no stakes to using it to doing that so i there's no reason for me to ever believe that anything bad well, I mean- happens going forward like if if they made a sequel right and dark side comes and he wins why why barry allen could just undo it by running fast Mm -hmm. like if they added stakes to that like if they theoretically said that there was a chance every time he did it that he would die or there was or like shorten his life or or something it would feel a little bit better but Mm it's still just so overpowered. I mean, I, I, I feel like they didn't establish the stakes in the movie well. I feel like with most Flash narratives, they, like, establish that time travel is not something you should do very often with, like, um, like you know, the damaging the speed force or whatever and, like, time rates and the butterfly effects or, like, you could change one tiny thing. Like, everything could kind of spin out of control. But I'll agree that, like, in the movie itself, they didn't really, like, do a great job at that. I mean, there were, there were a couple of times, I think maybe once Barry mentioned, like, theoretically, he could go so fast that, that like, the, the one rule that he can't break. Um, well, he is, references it, but he doesn't say the rule. He just says, okay, you got to do it. Mm, and then, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, I'm, I don't know. It's just... It, I I have a problem with time travel being used as a uh, kind of Deus Ex Machina thing, which is what this did. Whereas time travel in other movies is a central part of the plot, and like it it's explained in depth. All in every movie that has time travel, they explain it. They explain the stakes of it. They explain the implications of it. In this movie, they were like, "Can't do it, but I'm gonna do it," and then he does it, and everything's okay. Man, this is not how I saw this going when we were talking about the climax of the movie. Is me defending defending, it. defending a part of this garbage trash fire to you, Cullen? Um, yep. <laughs> it, it is a it is a problem I have with this movie. Like not enough that it actually detracts from my overall experience of the sure. film, but I, I mean I do have some problems with it certainly. That's right. Um, Just like I, uh, you know, I like some. There's yeah. some parts of it that I enjoy. Well, um, and immediately following that, um, Superman has arrived on scene. Um, Cyborg is now powered up enough that he is able to uh, start removing, like, removing the boxes from one another. And Superman comes over and helps him complete the job because Superman. apparently between their combined strength, they're strong enough to do it. But, you know, it took both of them to do it definitely couldn't have just been the one of them (laughs) because superman's got to be useful somehow right yeah um i mean and i really following this there's a brief bit of action in which steppenwolf is killed his head is chopped off along with one of the two horns he has and it travels through a portal to dark side's feet and that was pretty cool that was pretty rad I, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, give full full props on that set set design, you know. 
Um, they used, I think, all of the heroes in setting up his death, and then uh, the the kind of setup felt very real. It gave Darkseid more reason to come in full force because he now can understand what the defenders of Earth might be as far as a threat. And another plot point that we didn't really get into is there's something on Earth, uh, namely the anti-life formula that he needs. Um, So if they ever do a you know, follow-up movie to this, they have very good motivation. Um, so I think they did that well. I, I guess. I mean, I I guess this might be just personal preference mm-hmm. in that, like, I didn't really find, like, the lore and world-building parts of this movie particularly, like, engaging or interesting. And maybe that's just a problem that I have with, like, you know, DC lore world-building. Um, but like, I don't know, the, the anti-life equation, mother boxes as like MacGuffins and things to chase down just didn't super do it for me. Like the, the mother boxes didn't ever really feel very interesting, I guess. I mean, they're like the, I, the idea that like, oh, well, these like cubes are these very advanced supercomputers that can do a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I just don't know if we ever really saw that, like, really executed on apart from their, like, ability to just, you know, generic destroy, destroy everything. Um, or, well, we saw you know, you, sho- you shove it into a, like, football player and create Cyborg. And um, it brought Superman back to life. And it brought Superman back to life. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you have, like, you know, a cube that is the supercomputer, you can do a lot more interesting stuff with it. And I like I never felt particularly interested enough. Like it felt a little bit more like this is just the do anything box um, mm-hmm. than something that was really like unique in any way. And so it just kind of became generic uh, MacGuffins one, two, and three um, rather than anything that felt particularly unique or had any kind of like. Um, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I do do uh, and i do think there's some validity there uh but <laughs> well i'm just i'm you know going forward i'm wondering if i should continue to bring this up and lay it at your feet every time a plot mcguffin comes up because that's not different than the infinity stones it just took those were set up earlier i mean it's not different i mean the I, reality I stone is literally the of... same thing we can do anything we want i mean yeah but like i i feel like you, like you're not you're not totally wrong but also, i mean that's I what a MacGuffin like, is well i mean you're, you're not totally wrong but also like and and i guess like that might be a larger discussion about like the use of MacGuffins in these kinds of movies i feel like at the very least in infinity war they did a better job like having different powers like having thanos utilize different power sets for each one especially with the space stone um and i I do see where you're coming from that like their powers were pretty well defined in the marvel series whereas these powers were not as clearly defined it does seem a little bit like they are the do anything box like you Mm -hmm. said um but then i I just don't really have like i can't counter that it's just i don't have too much of a problem with it sure and and that's that's because i don't see it very differently than i see other things yeah, um, definitely. And I mean, like, looping back around to Godzilla versus Kong, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything more than that. I guess I just would have liked it to be, um, liked it to be something more. And, like, I needed that kind of interest in the movie for me, really, to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I needed that to be something more. I, need, mm-hmm. I, needed, a lot, I, I needed a lot of things in this movie to be something more. Um, and at least as far as my expectations went, went, um, it did not really hit any of those bars. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Also chapters, chapters, Zack Snyder. Chapters were cool. The pretension throughout this film is (laughs) good. There. I said it. Wow. I'm not going to regret wow. it. Wow. I, I will. You know, I will. they 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 lean into it and he takes his work 
in a certain light and doesn't shy away from it. And that's, you know, it's admirable. Colin, I will regret enough for the both. Of us. The only, the only thing that makes me feel a little bit like he took a step too far with the pretension is when he has Superman walk past his other suit to get to the black suit. Like I'm fine with the black suit, <laughs> pretty but, but him specifically walking past the other one to get to it. It's a little like eh. it's a it's a little much, eh. which is yeah, that something one, that, that I would like. Uh, but Zack Snyder has a cool suit. I <laughs> try it out. <laughs> I could try my regular suit or the Snyder cut of my suit. True. Um, um, it does it does feel like we're wrapping up here. So there's a couple more things to uh, yeah. to kind of get to the epilogue. We have to talk about the epilogue. We, we have to have talk, to about, talk the about the epilogue. Um. So. The epilogue just decides we're going to set up for two different movies at the same time. We're going to set up for two different movies. It might be one movie, but it really should be two movies at the same <laughs> time. Um, Lex Luthor is there, and he's got Deathstroke. He's got Deathstroke. And they're like, we're going to take down Batman? Or was it Superman? I don't even remember which one they were like excited to take down i want to say it was batman but it's lex luther so i mean like he superman? reveals the secret identity right he's like yeah well that's I, that's how lex gets it de- gets deathstroke interested he's like he tells him who batman is hmm. um but it's like it feels like it's setting up for a, a movie where they are some sort of like suicide squad type uh team up against I mean, Justice League, like that's that's what it feels like it's setting up for. I mean, right? honestly, I I got more of an impression that it was setting up for like a Batflex solo movie with Deathstroke as well. Or that, or that. Um, but regardless, they're setting up. It, that felt like a setup for a distinct movie, hmm. and then it decides to cut <laughs> some sort of <laughs> something else apocalyptic entirely. scene. Um, and this is a vision uh, of given to Bruce in a dream. Um, but it's not like one of those dream scenes that's annoying because you find out the whole thing was fake the whole time because this was very clearly different and it very clearly was like a scene yes. from a future movie yeah. that you knew they weren't trying to dupe you with this. This is this is like a thing that might come to pass. This, this right? is, I didn't find it annoying for those reasons. I found it annoying for other reasons. Right. So in this scene, in case anybody hasn't seen it, um, we're in a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Some of the good guys have teamed up with some of the bad guys. Um, so we have Amber Heard not pulling any punches next to a full metal jacket flash next to Batman next to Deathstroke next to Joker. Was there anybody else I'm missing? I don't think so. I think that was the full team. And it, it very much felt like it was, it had, no, it, it was. It was clearly setting up for something happened to Lois Lane and Superman went bad. They're doing the injustice th- storyline here. Yeah. And that's a cool storyline. It is. Why the hell did you ram it in at the last second? <laughs> at the last second of this epilogue? I don't know. Um, I assume you have a problem with Joker. I mean, I I I I have a problem with things that you said. Um, okay. honestly more than I mean yes I do have a problem with Jared Leto Joker of course I have a problem with Jared Leto Joker <laughs> dumb um, but like I, I, I more than that surprisingly enough um, I have a problem yeah with like the stuff that you said where it's like oh we're gonna tease injustice in this like one scene dream sequence in the epilogue mm-hmm. um, and it's just like okay okay i guess i mean like what are we like what what, what is this is this movie gonna get made like <laughs> I, I want i want the movies that it that were made i mean you you can easily see three movies following this movie like you said the solo film this injustice film and the direct follow-up to justice league where dark side's here you could easily see three films spawning off of this film and i would Based off of this movie I just watched, I would like to see those movies. If it continues the same vision, I'm down for it. Like, I'm here for it. But are any of them going to be made? Why are you pitching me three films right now? 
it feels weird. It feels like, I mean, it, like it literally is, I mean, Marvel has been guilty of this as well, but like, I feel like here is particularly, really? I mean, not like, not necessarily, like, not as like, it's not a left turn in any of those movies. It's like, oh, but what if that guy who was just good? Well, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I meant more as far as like just being like, here is our next slate of movies, like sure, being teased sure. at the very end of this movie. Sure, but um, normally it's like one. No, yeah, right? exactly. Normally it's like one, and normally it's not as egregious as yeah. this, where it's like, <laughs> hey guys, we're just going to instead of having a conclusion, a proper conclusion to this film, we're just going to tease out the next slate of movies that we have planned that may they or may not. Have they, they did have a proper conclusion. They did have they did have proper conclusion. And then they um, wrote epilogue on the screen. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> they did other things. <laughs> instead of writing epilogue, they could have uh, written DC extended universe slates for the next couple of years colon here are the movies that we are going to make hope you enjoy smiley face and then play all those scenes yeah i mean it would have been a little wordy but i don't know i feel like uh justice league was a little wordy maybe like two hours too wordy but that's besides the point um i (laughs) sorry i had to get that dig in it's Um, fair i mean everybody's allowed to have an opinion even if it's wrong you know what? You're right, Colin. Everyone is allowed to have an opinion, even if it's wrong. I know that um, you think you just turned that on me, but you'll see what they tweet at you. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> All the listeners. Our, our two fans. Zack um, Snyder is coming for you in three to five years when our podcast takes off and he listens to episode one on the recommendation of somebody else. You'll see. <laughs> you'll see. Zack Snyder's going to come for me. He's going to ruin my career. Um, well, justification for our grade. And then uh, move on. But I went first last time, so it's all you, buddy. Oh, boy. Me first. Um, I am going to give this a D minus. I'm not going to fail this movie because there are parts that I liked about it. Um, There are, like, I I did not have, like, (laughs) I I was tempted to give this just a flat D. um, But, like, I... I really just did not have a good, enjoyable time in this movie. Um, like, I really, really did not. It was a slug. It was an hey, exposition I, dump. Um, I, I can appreciate you coming out hard and making decisive choices. Um, and it, it's not an F because of Alfred Pennyworth. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you why you're wrong and you're an oh, idiot. This movie's a B plus. Um, this movie is a B plus. Um, I discussed the issues I have with it. Honestly, if it wasn't for Mercedes, uh, it would be an A minus. Um, Mercedes, you bumped this down to a B plus, but yeah. you know what? You got your money's worth. The fact that I'm even talking about it right now proves that you got your money's worth. Um, um, to- but b plus very solid movie i was happy with it um it's by far the best thing that i've seen come out of dc since nolan uh and i was happy with it i want to i i really think that they leaned into the right things uh and they didn't pull their punches with it i think they made the cgi pretty good overall they made a bad choice with steppenwolf's armor but considering what we'd seen previously from dc and their cgi i was you know pleasantly surprised um and i think that wonder woman's uh theme or motifs are amazing and i always get hyped when i hear it so yeah b plus movie that's fair you know i do fair you know um mercedes might be coming after you Zack snyder might be coming after me but hey jeremy irons if you're listening to this and want to come on the podcast we'll have you we'll talk about the phantom thread oh we'll talk about uh jeremy irons if you want to come on this podcast um don't i think you're in this is where this is where the story stops but this is where your career will end (laughs) (laughs) just like ours ours didn't even start but uh (laughs) um yeah you know i i that is that is fair i um as much as we might disagree um you know thank you 
for talking about, you know, Justice League and kind of giving the rundown of this movie. Um, chances are we will split this into two episodes, but um, just in case you don't, thank you for also talking about Godzilla versus Kong. That was a lot of fun. That was a blast. I kind of like, as, as a movie that I actually did enjoy, it was fun, like, talking to you about the things that we thought were cool about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it was fun also talking about things that we didn't agree on. Um, and I am sure that at some point during this podcast's tenure, um, Colin will bring up things that I didn't like about Zack Snyder's Justice League um, to uh, get me back for movies that I do like. Um, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll use it sparingly. I'll use it when it's most effective. Don't worry. Don't worry. Good. When you, when you want to give praise to something that's garbage, I'll, uh, I'll listen to the audio again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, thanks, everybody. Um, join us next time for more movies. Yep, that's uh, for more, more stories. But for now, this is where the story stops.